Hello, I'm Justin Boyd. Hello, I'm George Luna. Hey everyone, I'm Brittany Pacheco. Frank. Hi. <laughs> and I'm Nathan Hale, and we are the Watchers in the Basement. Yes, we are. Thank you, Nathan, for that. Um, welcome to the Watchers in the Basement podcast. We're back for another edition. Uh, we're all coming to you from a uh, very, very rainy and wet Houston, Texas right now. So we're trying to make it through this tropical storm slash hurricane slash whatever thing that's going on in the world. Uh, but uh, we're here today to talk about the boys uh, season two, as we've been doing in the past few weeks. Um, we appreciate everyone who's watching us on Facebook Live and later on who will see us on YouTube. But, you know, this this podcast is also an audio podcast. And I'm going to kick it to Brittany right now. Let her explain to you how you can listen to this show. So, Brittany, take it away. All right, Justin. So you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, thanks to Anchor.fm. Gotta love Anchor. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating because it helps us out a lot. And we're a small podcast, but we are a proud one. And follow The Watchers in the Basement on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, like our latest video podcast, and hit that notification bell so you can be the first to find out the latest from us. And last but not least, help grow our audience. Don't forget to use hashtag Watchers Basement when sharing this podcast. Thanks, Brittany. Now we're going to get to the show. Uh, we're talking about episode five, season two of The Boys. The episode is titled, We Gotta Go Now. So I'm going to read the description from uh, Amazon. This stuff is like right up my alley, too. Vought Studios is pleased to announce that filming has begun on Dawn of the Seven. Twelve years of VCU movies have led to this. If you like movies about one hero, you'll love a movie about seven heroes. Introducing the newest member, Stormfront. See how the legend began in theaters, summer 2021. I don't know about y'all, but I don't think it's going to happen in summer 2021 because of COVID. But uh, <laughs> maybe 2022. That but, seems reasonable. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, the the show opens with a lot of stuff about this movie that they're making. And I think that was, that was pretty interesting to me, um, just seeing, you know, the, the, the fact that the superheroes are also playing themselves and acting in the movies. And that's kind of funny. But, uh, you know, I'm going to kick it to Brittany so you can start us off with uh, our kind of our character study. We're going to go character by character for the episode and talk about how each uh, each player fared in the uh, fifth episode of the season. So, Brittany, take it away. So we're going to start off with Homelander because Homelander is probably the biggest character on this show. And, guys, you all jump in, of course, at any time. Um, the very first thing that we're talking about with Homelander has to do with the video that was uh, circulating on the Internet of Homelander killing an innocent bystander along with the soup terrorists. And that leads to protesters at Vought Square. So I'm going to pose this question to uh, my fellow watchers, Frank, George, Nathan, Justin. How is there always someone with a camera? Like, how is there? Why? Surprise, there isn't more. Like, how, how is that the first person they have on video of, like, him killing someone? Because you know that is not the first person that definitely died from 
homelanders like mistakes or whatever. Uh, so I'm just surprised it took them that long for that long for something to leak like that. Well, I think I think you kind of see it in season one when um, when Huey's girlfriend got killed. Uh, they covered it up. They 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 have a history of paying off people and NDAs. So um, I think now that season two, they they finally unveiled that you know these superheroes have been manufactured by this this you know uh, compound B. Now people, I think now for the first time in Vault's history, people are, I don't actually see Vault in this positive, um, you know, moral based superhero company that they that that they make the make themselves uh, out to be. So now people are actually out to get Vault now. So anytime there's there's a there's a any type of fight, any type of mishap with with heroes trying to you know fight crime, people people are now on the lookout. Yeah, I agree with that. And and Nathan, one of the bigger scenes in Homelander's kind of storyline has to do with the pros, uh, the protest rather at Vought Square, and that was something I think that took all of us by surprise. I want you to set up that scene for us and and talk about it. So yeah, in Vought Square outside of the building, um, a large group is outside protesting after the uh, video has been released of, of uh, this killing by Homelander in another country. And it's got a lot of people up in arms and they're all being uh, kind of led along by a specific, I believe they were a senator uh, who was kind of backing the opposition to, to Homelander here and, and to Vought being in the military. Um, and in the middle of this protest, Homelander shows up on the stage and he tries to do his typical, what's always worked in the past to, uh, you know, put on that uh, American flag and talk about that apple pie and, and America's great and, and, and national pride essentially. And it, doesn't work this time he even calls on you know my fellow you know you know men in arms real heroes the military and he's kind of crosses the line and tries to speak for them and there's a soldier there and he'll have none of it and in anger he just yells out you don't speak for me flips uh, homelander the bird and the next thing we know we see homelander's eyes glowing red as he cuts a swath of blood and gore through the entire audience. Uh, my jaw dropped. I was screaming, no effing way. You've got to be kidding me. Holy. Yeah, it was, it was to date of all episodes, season one, season two. It was the most jaw dropping moment yet. But uh, I, I want to get everybody else's opinions on, on what happened and, and what, and the follow-up if you will yeah so let's start with justin justin what was what was your take on that scene and and then we'll go to frank and then george right after i mean you know nathan kind of gave us a head up heads up because he watched the episode a little bit before we all had a chance to see it so we knew it was coming up and when i saw that scene i mean obviously like because he just like cuts through those people with his laser eyes and you know i don't know kills a few hundred maybe i'm not even sure you can tell, I mean, I could tell right away that it was a, a fantasy or a dream or something. It wasn't, it wasn't on the level just because like if he did that, I mean, there's no more show because he could just go around killing everyone. You know what I mean? Like the show's over. 
Hey, Justin, um, you said you don't know how many, but if uh, if you go back and you count all the the upper torsos and all the lower torsos and divide by two, you'll have the number. There we go. You know, math has not been my strongest suit, but I appreciate the uh, the tips there. I'll go back and check that out and I'll <laughs> not break it down. But, you know, one thing about that scene that I wanted to point out is um, the protest there. There's a, uh, a senator or a congresswoman. Her name is Victoria Newman is the character's name. And they're definitely trying to make her seem uh, – her character is very much like an AOC, an Alexandria – is it Octavio Cortez? I'm not sure. She's the – the younger politician from New York, you know, you know, in our world, because Homelander makes a comment. He's like talking about her and he's like, I loved your, your video where you're dancing to uh, walk like an Egyptian or whatever. And I think that AOC did something like that, like a couple of years ago or a year ago. So I thought that was kind of unique that they're trying to bring these like real life archetypes or characters into the show. Um, I wondered what that reference was about. I, I, I was a little yeah. confused by that. Yeah, she did something like that about two years ago or so. So they're they're on top of what's going on in the world. So well, a lot of the that's one thing I've noticed in particular in season two that I've really found interesting is they're they are taking a lot of current day hot topics and politics and pulling it into the VCU, if you will, um, which I. I I'm happy for, I'm happy to see them going there. I think, uh, I, I enjoy seeing a political statement played in, even if I don't agree with, I think that is, uh, every writer, every, uh, creators, um, I almost feel without it that any creation somebody makes that doesn't have their personal opinion, their personal belief system, whatever have you infused somewhere in there, then they're not really sharing themselves and thereby their art with you so i was i was really happy just in general see that uh in this season yeah i think the fact that they're they being the story you know writers and whatnot are, are incorporating a lot of today um current issues into the show is is really really moving uh george i want to kind of move past this uh, particular topic what happened with Homelander after his speech? He, he kind of has a bit of a mental breakdown. Um, can I have you talk about that? Yeah, I think he was just like, I think for him it's like a, it hit him hard because he's like, everyone's so used to loving him and like, he's not used to people just like, really not, he cares about what the public thinks about him. And he really does like care about the perception of like how America views him, I guess. And it definitely hit him hard, and he ends up having to go to Stormfront to get help from her to try and uh, rebrand his image to make him look better and just be on the good side of the public eye or whatever. And Stormfront ends up helping him with that, and it actually worked. Her memes and all that stuff actually worked, which is not surprising because all that stuff is, like y'all were talking about, it's so relevant now. It's the same thing, and it actually did work in the show. Yeah, and I, I think it's funny how, because earlier I'm going to jump a little bit to Stormfront, where she sees that Homelander and Ashley are having this conversation about that same video, which leads to the protest at Vought Square. And Stormfront's like having a bad day. You know, she kind of, you know, she's being that plucky character that Justin has, you know, described her as. And 
and Homelander's like, I don't need any help from you, what have you. And she's like, well, I'm here if you want me, which I thought was a very, very specific way, a very specific message that she was trying to send, right? And Frank, I'm going to talk to you about this because there, there's, I said it in the beginning and y'all kind of thought like, no, this isn't going to happen. There's nothing that's going to happen between Stormfront and, and Homelander. There's just no way. Frank, what ended up happening between Stormfront and Homelander? Well, my mother's here, so I can't really curse right now. <laughs> uh, but are we talking about the, the last the scene that closed the show? Yeah. So after, so after Homelander enlists Stormfront's help, um, and she kind of, she kind of gets him out of hot water. They have a moment, uh, an intimate moment per se, um, of how can I say this? Um, they were practicing making babies in a very aggressive way. Uh, so, um, and it was a very, I mean, and you caught it, Brittany. Like I didn't, I didn't see it because I, I thought it was so much disdain between Homelander and Storefront. Well, more Homelander's front because. I felt like I felt like uh, he he felt like that Stormfront was taking the shine, and he and a lot of jealousy was behind that. But I think after Stormfront kind of saved him from that um, from that you know faux pas uh, of 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 the innocent Boston getting killed, they have a moment and they go at it. Uh, they they're messed. They're tearing up rooms. They're you know there's a there's a there's a scene where and I'm wa- I'm watching a basketball game while Nathan just. <laughs> Just out of nowhere, just says what he says about laser, laser my, you know, you know, my brazier area. Yeah. So it's like, and I'm watching them like, is this really happening? Like I've, I've seen a lot of love scenes, a lot of sex scenes in movies and shows that was on another level. Um, and it was, it was primal. It was, it was animalistic and, and it was crazy. It was crazy. And that was a great way to end the show. Man, I mean, my question, of course, to this whole thing wasn't so much like, you know, why or when was this going to happen was my question has to do with why are they still wearing their boots? I don't know why. I don't know why. You would think you'd be a little bit more comfortable, you know, taking off the boots. Oh, they wear clothes. They're still wearing clothes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> me off. Like, like, are you, uh, like and, and I think that scene was so great because it kind of shows the narcissistic manner of these heroes. Like, no matter what I'm doing, like, even Homelander, he doesn't have a secret identity. Like, he walks around and prances around in this outfit the whole time. I think he's the only hero that does that. And, like, that scene, that scene was um, was very synonymous by, by showing how narcissistic they are. Like, no matter what they're doing, we're going to be in our, we're going to be in our, in our, in our outfits. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely for me was, like, that was such a crazy moment. I mean, I, like I like I told y'all before the season even began, I knew something was going to happen between the two of them. I Same just, here, simply because it. when we saw the initial trailers before the the show came out, the thing that I remember you and I talking about was the laser tit scene, and it was like there's clearly something going to happen there, sexual. Maybe there won't be a relationship. Maybe just aggressive sex. And to be honest, that's still yet to be seen. But she's been playing him since day one. As we noticed, the first time she talked to him, it was with compliment. Then she's trying what looks like to cause an issue. And and honestly, if you guys take a look at what's happening romantically, if you will, 
look at Homelander's age. What's his equivalent age in his maturity level? He's a schoolboy. And what's the schoolgirl doing to the schoolboy? She's teasing him, pulling his hair, that sort of thing, which is exactly the kind of mentality at his age that's going to draw more attraction. Uh, yeah. that's, that's just kind of what I saw from the get-go. And, and I don't know, though, if it's going to turn into something – well, I, I imagine it will turn into something darker, but I, I don't know where it will go from here. Oh, yeah. it's It most absolutely is going to turn into something darker just because of – of Stormfront. Um, and let's go ahead and start talking about Stormfront. We've already talked about how she offered her help to Homelander and he owed her. And we obviously just talked about how he owed her. But she also gets really chummy with with Starlight's mom. Um, they're on set. They're taking like a lunch break or whatever. I love the fact that they have like a Vietnamese food truck because Vietnamese um <clears throat> what do you call it omelet that kind of thing are like really really good but the fact that starlight hasn't spoken to her mom in quite some time because she's still upset about the the lie about compound v and what have you but why why is stormfront so eager to get chummy with starlight's mom and this is open to anyone has any thoughts they'd like to share i, I think it's because she knows that, I mean, and she tells us this later, Stormfront knows that um, Starlight's the one who revealed the Compound V to the public. And I think this is just her way to kind of get involved in her life. And I mean, ultimately, she at one point, Stormfront says to Starlight that, like, you're going to be a big help to me or you're going you're gonna to really help me out. And Starlight's like, what are you talking about? So I, she's definitely trying to play her in a certain way. And maybe she uses the mom as blackmail because i don't know if you'll notice this but blackmail is like the weapon everyone uses in this show everyone is blackmailing someone else and, and laser know, like eyes think about there's laser eyes too <laughs> laser eyes is a very cool weapon not everyone has laser eyes but everyone uses blackmail like you think about it butcher with black noir uh which we'll talk about later um starlight and a train um you know just every character has some kind of like hidden thing that they don't want the other person to know that someone does know that and could reveal that. And so, um, and obviously Stormfront's at the center of all this stuff. And speaking of being in the center of, of all of this, we also learned a really big secret about her past is that she used to be a member of the church of the collective, which as we all know at this point, the deep is a part of, he, um, is very immersed into it. And he does a commercial for the church that A-Train is watching. And um, George, the scene that we we have between Stormfront and A-Train when she's telling him about the church, um, set that up for us and then just your, your take on what transpired. So in this scene that you're talking about, they were together at, uh, they were like gathering during lunch for uh, the movie that was going on, the the seven movie, and uh, from it and a trainer talking, and I, I guess they saw the deep commercial, and she's like, uh, they she was a part of the uh, of the church before, right? And uh, she said they started letting anyone in, and she was just being like very like racist and like being rude to. Uh, to uh, A Train, and he he didn't. He's like, why why are you coming at me like this? He didn't really understand. 
but that's because he doesn't know that she's like a super like racist and uh he just thought it was offensive but before anything else could happen uh uh what, what, what's her name that ashley came and uh had to talk to a train about uh, some other stuff so she she dragged that from becoming a confrontation that definitely would have happened yeah, one of the things that Stormfront said was that the church started letting in all kinds of people. You know, it was quality versus garbage, in her opinion. And she says that very deliberately to to A Train, and he challenges her, like you're, like you're saying, you know, like you know, you're coming at me. Do you have something to say? Do you have a problem? And she mocks the fact that he's retiring. One little Easter egg I do want to throw out there because I know we all enjoy these Easter eggs is that the cup that Stormfront is drinking out of when she's having this conversation with A-Train uh, written on the cup says storefront instead of Stormfront. So that's a like a attaboy to the barista. You know how Starbucks here likes to, you know, miswrite everyone's names and whatnot. So I miss she's going to be forever mess. known as Storefront. Just kidding. Anyway. Um, well, with that, with that, I do have a question. Uh, sure. I want to pose to everybody. Um, so if Stormfront and Homelander have a baby, what will that baby be named? Stormlander? Stormlander? Homefronter? Or just Homefront? I don't know. <laughs> this is this is what this is after that scene, the first thing that popped in my head is what are they gonna name the kid? So I don't yeah, know. That's a fair question. Frank, um, let's move to you, <clears throat> because we saw a very familiar character from a different franchise. It's part of the Marvel franchise, and you being a huge Marvel fan, like the many, the rest of us here, we saw Bobby, a.k.a. Iceman from X-Men, with a very brief appearance in this episode. Talk about that. I, I do remember seeing him. I don't remember what scene it was in, though. Was it a so, jail cell or asylum or something? I don't remember. He is wearing scrubs. And in the scene, he's credited as being a nurse with um, Sage Grove Center. So really, really fast. Uh, Stormfront's on the phone with um, uh, the character. The actor is Sean Ashmore, who, again, is just the nurse. But he's wearing scrubs. He's got a lighter. Okay, he's flicking a lighter, which, by the way, says, I think it says Titty Committee. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but he's flicking in, and, and he's talking to Stormfront about this, this boy or the 17-year-old who's going to be a hero. So the question is, who is this character? Because first and foremost, with the lighter, it made me think of Pyro? Lamplighter. Oh, Lamplighter. uh Maybe think of Lamplighter. We talked about ding, this. Ding, 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 ding. <gasps> I'm onto something. Yeah, you're right. He is. He's Lamplighter. Wait, seriously? He's Lamplighter? Yeah. Huh. That's what I read like a few weeks ago. Like when the first, when the show start, first started, I saw that he was a part of the show and he was cast as Lamplighter. So we'll see what happens with him uh, down the road. But uh, Okay. So, so obviously Lamplighter was, was not killed. He was retired, I guess. And I just want to point out one more thing about this this actor. He was also he's um, so he was in the X Men franchise movies, but he was also on Smallville. So he's no uh, he's no stranger to DC. Also, so. I also I also want to point out the uh, 
the irony of casting him as Lamplighter since he was Iceman, who had in the <laughs> in the TV show uh, or, or the movies a very much uh, uh, his 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 prime enemy was Pyro, who would flip a lighter all the time. So I find that kind of funny that uh, there he's now playing his at odds character of sorts in an alternate universe. Yeah, that's insane. Like the fact that he's gonna be Lamplighter. I mean, it it probably goes without saying we're gonna see more of him in this in this season because I want to know and what is Sage Growth Center? What are they doing to these you know young seventeen year old heroes? Because Stormfront says like you know no one said the job was ever easy. So is it like they're experimenting on these on these young men, young women? Are they trying to, you know, create more soups or soup terrorists? Like what the hell is going on with this? They're um, creating her army. Remember she mentioned she has an army and it's not just people who make memes for her. She has she's gonna have a super army. Holy shit, that's crazy. I, I I've seen the preview for the next episode. That's what the preview is about. So Oh, man. That's insane. Sorry, but sirens are on my end. Well, uh, after the news you just dropped, I'm not surprised. That makes a lot of sense now. Because going into the conversation with Starlight, uh, Starlight goes and sneaks into Stormfront's trailer to try to find information about her uh, her Stormfront being Liberty, hacks into the, into the computer where there's a bunch of emails from Sage Grove Center. Um... And so, Frank, I'm going to go back to you real quick. Um, first of all, do you remember this scene? <laughs> okay. So, I do. Talk, talk about what uh, happens in this scene between Stormfront and Starlight, because it gets, it gets pretty pretty catty. Yeah, so she's, so, so Starlight is infiltrating, and because uh, they're on set, so she's infiltrating uh, Stormfront's trailer, trying to find information, and then Stormfront walks in, and they go, they go back and forth, and and it's like it's like a it's like a jockeying for power between between the two characters. It's like like uh, Starlight is trying to fill trying to fill her out, and she doesn't really trust her. And and right right before they get into it, Homelander walks in. So um, I I kind of wonder where where that where that would have went. Could it, when I got confrontational, would it got would it got physical? But I think Homelander walking in kind of like broke the, and I think I know Starlight walks out, but um, I just wonder. I, I, I'm still trying to figure out Stormfront's angle. Um, we know she's powerful, just just based off her her healing factor and how you know she was able to recover from being lasered by a Homelander. But I, I don't know. I don't know um, what after what Justin said about you know her creating an army. I don't know where her angle is as far as like um, um, her infiltrating, you know, Starlight's mother and and her infiltrating the team because because uh, um, Vault Vault I can't remember Vault's boss's name. Um, Mr. Edgar. Yeah, like I guess my, I guess I'm wondering like does Edgar know her history, Stormfront's history, and if he if he knew that she was living back in the day, why would he, why would he bring her back? It seems like Liberty had a lot of uh, racial and PR disasters back in the fifties and sixties. So I will, I, mean, I will point out really quick. Sorry, Justin. That remember in the first episode with Rainer, she was talking about there's a coup going on within Vought, you know, right from the inside, and that Liberty was all over her server. So 
there's also a comment that Huey makes to Butcher in the beginning of the episode where he says that uh, Stormfront is actually Liberty. Vought's been passing her around or moving her around like a Catholic priest. No offense to anyone out there. But um, so I'm thinking that she is the coup. She's the coup that's, that's you know, in Vought, you know, got brought back to Vought. Um, for what reason? I can't imagine unless it's maybe to take down Homelander. She'd be one of many at this point. Um, but she does make a comment to Starlight about, you know, oh, I do like you. You're going to be a big help to me. So that's like, is she trying to turn Starlight over to her side or whatever her cause is or, or what? Like, George, what, what do you what do you think about that? She compliments her. She says you're really powerful. Like, so it's like she's trying to like recruit. It's, she, it's like she's analyzing what she can do and what she can't do. I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead, please. No, yeah, I, I don't know what she's trying to do with her. I don't know if Annie would turn that way, like after, especially after helping the boys with so much, so many things already. Uh, I think she's gonna somehow blackmail her. Like Justin said, it's always the number one thing that they get people to do what they want is blackmail them. So either Stormfront's gonna blackmail somehow the thing doing with her mom or whatever, their relationship, something like that. She's gonna make her do some type of favor. Uh, I'm guessing that's what's gonna happen. That's the only way I see her hoping. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, I'm getting a little nervous now between Stormfront and and Starlight and then Homelander with everybody else because it's, a lot of the suits are, are wanting to kind of take out or take down Homelander, which we'll get to in a little bit. But let's talk about the boys. So um, Nathan, Butcher. Butcher's having kind of a, a rough time, you know, after the fact that his wife, Becca, didn't want to leave the compound with him and, and leave her son. So it's kind of on a destructive streak. Um, Yeah, so he's sitting in a bar and... He's he's angry at his situation. He's angry at Becca. He's angry at the fact that he feels powerless in this situation. So he does what every natural warm-blooded man would probably do in this situation. And he gets himself in a giant fight and a scrape and a thrash pit and gets the crap beat out of him so he can feel on the outside as bad as he feels on the inside, so to speak. Um, and I, I, I actually – I'm not sure if I'm jumping too far ahead here in his story, but I, I didn't find it – I found it – kind of cliche yet still kind of on point that after all of this as he hits this low he's trying to lay low and at the same time where does he go he tries to find some sort of solace and comfort so he goes to where his dog is back to his mom's house get that home cooking and uh maybe nurse the wound i don't know uh but i, I did find that kind of funny that that's that's where he ended up after that Was that his mom or his aunt? I can't. I can't recall. It was his aunt. Oh, aunt. Okay. It was his I guess aunt. Is is his mom dead? Have they ever said? No. So the aunt was talking about how the parents were flying over, presumably from abroad. Um, considering Butcher has a English accent, um, Butcher doesn't really seem to want to see his parents. The only person or loved one he wants to see, rather, is his bulldog Terror. So um <laughs> terror what a character um <laughs> i mean that's just, that's just thinking of something... this stuffed animal of homelander that's all 
Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely. But uh, Aunt Judy's pretty pretty bomb because she's got a a hideout room yeah, for the a, boys. A taffy room. Taffy room. Yeah. yeah you talk about taffy. that that home good good home cooking. That's oh, yeah. that's the taffy That'll right there. That'll take your mind off of things. <laughs> so Justin, uh, what all transpires with you know the boys? I mean, they're they're pretty much all together with the exception of Frenchie and Kamiko, and we'll talk about them separately, but. The boys, Butcher, M.M., and Huey. There's there's a, a lot going on at Aunt Judy's. Yeah, so so basically, like, picking up what, what Nathan said a little bit ago, Butcher gets into a fight. He's all beaten up. He goes to a grocery store or, like, a CVS to uh, – he, he's in, like, the frozen food section. He's going to get some frozen peas to put on his face, on his bruises. And, of course, like, it's like he goes to the frozen food section and – the frozen foods are Vought Fresh Farms, which I thought was kind of cool. He gets a bag of peas, and of course, uh, Homelander's on the cover of the the bag. But he just shows how these superheroes are basically just like mass marketed. They're everywhere, like stores. Everywhere you look, there's a billboard or a commercial for their music or movies or TV shows. It's just kind of overload. Um, but butcher uh while he's in the store he's searching for a uh of course we don't know this at the time but he's looking for a, a sweet a squeaky doll or a toy for his dog and while he's doing that he gets a call from huey he talks to huey briefly says he's gonna retire go to argentina and he calls uh he calls huey his canary so huey thinks this is obviously pretty strange he tells mm about what all happened and mm knows what the canary means he knows what the squeaky toy means and they all meet up at uh butcher's uh, aunt's house which we're not sure where that is but i assume in the tri-state area maybe i don't know didn't seem like it was that far away and um while they're there um they're uh they're followed there by a certain superhero or a certain soup that being a uh, black noir and uh <laughs> He's uh, hiding on top of the house. He's ready. He's followed Butcher from, you know, the previous episode where Butcher went to find Beck at the compound. And so he's been on the, the trail for, for Butcher since then. And the trail leads into uh, Butcher's aunt's house. And so that's where we have some, some pretty intense scenes. And uh, I'll uh, kick it over to George. If George wants to talk about, um, talk about what happens between Black Noir and Butcher. So Butcher basically wants to sacrifice himself like before, just so the boys don't have to deal with Black Noir and do all this stuff. And Huey and Mother's Milk don't, they basically have his back. They don't want him to do anything. And uh, they create like these uh, shrapnel bombs to try and like, as a diversion to even like remotely stop him, which is basically impossible, but they, they had to have some sort of plan and uh, they create these booby trap like uh, shrapnel bombs, and they all go and hide in the bunker. And uh, I thought, I thought uh, he was gonna. I really thought that Butcher was gonna sacrifice himself for Huey at that in like for a quick second, and then he he busts out saying that he was gonna blackmail again. He was gonna blackmail uh, Bach with uh, pictures of Homelander's son, basically saying that they raped his wife and. They're hiding the child just uh, in some bot farm or neighborhood, whatever you want to call it. But I think see, I didn't see as much action as I wanted from Black Noir, like we saw in the first episode. 
Uh, I thought it, they were going to put up more of a fight, but honestly, it, it wasn't even close. Like, Black Noir is just too damn strong. And uh, he, he, he honestly just overpowered him like nothing, and he was ready to kill all of them. And uh, luckily, uh, Butch had that idea to blackmail them, and they're, they get to live to see another day. So I found it kind of interesting that in that scene, we, we find out that there is essentially a body cam on Black Noir with a live feed going to Edgar. Uh, and I, I, it made me wonder one of two things. Like, is he watching the others this way and they don't know it? But it seemed a pretty obvious camera, so I'm thinking not that. I'm thinking it may more be the case, and this may fall in line to some degree with the, the comic from the little bit I've, I've, I've read on, on how that progressed, um, that Black Noir is more like an agent, an operative directly for Edgar, doing Edgar's bidding more so than any of the other seven. Uh, what, what, I'm just curious what you guys thought of that. Uh, did you kind of think the same thing when you saw that? That makes a lot of sense, Nathan, just because the fact that when Black Noir in the previous episode went to the crime analytics to search for Butcher, I mean, that just, that was like the straight line. That was, this is my one mission. This is what I'm doing. Because obviously there's a link with Butcher and Becca, of course, that involves Homelander, a big Vought scandal, et cetera, et cetera. So that to me makes a lot of sense with um, Black Noir being a direct report to Edgar. It, I mean, yes, he's a soup. He's virtually indestructible, which is still crazy to me. Um, George, I totally understand why he's like your favorite soup, probably uh, for you know the time being. But th one thing I do want to bring up too, uh, and I'm going to pose this to Frank, is Black Noir seemed a little taken aback when Butcher made that threat of you kill any one of us you hurt any one of us i'm gonna you know oust vought for you know what they're hiding about homelander my wife and and the son so did it seem to you that black noir had no idea that this was that this happened with homelander yeah that's the same vibe i got i i think i think black noir operates differently from the rest of the seven i think black noir i really think he's very insulated i don't think he i don't think he really cares about the politics of what goes on in bot i don't think he cares about how things are ran in bot i think he's a guy that what's my mission all right i carry it out i think that's just how he is he's not worried about points and marketing he's not worried about pr and i think that's why he, i think that's why he's um he's what's his name again the, the boss edgar 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 i, I keep on calling him Carlo gus Esposito. yeah i keep on calling him gus from breaking bad but I think oh, that's why Gus understandable. You know, Edgar uses him at, um, as as a as as his personal you know assassin because he doesn't he doesn't care about any of that. And I think at the same time, simultaneously, a lot of things are hidden from him because he's not he he doesn't really care about putting himself out there as far as knowing what's going on. So as far as the dirty things that's going on with Ball, he's really taking back because he really sees Ball as all right. We're here to do a job. We're here to. We have more compass. We're to save people and make the world a better place. And I think, I think episode was that episode two when, when they, when they, um, when Starlight exposed Va with the whole Compound V, 
like he cried like he was upset he was visibly upset to where the, the rest of the seven kind of knew what what the deal was so um well all that being said i think i think black noir is a pure not pure but like he's very no nonsense about this is a job i'm here to do my job and whatever it takes i'm your guy he's also a very classy fellow because if you notice his ringtone for mr edgar it was handel's hallelujah which is also known as the hallelujah chorus yeah i did notice that i still want to know if he talks me too there's a lot i want to know about black noir um but also too uh, still talking about this you know black noir and butcher scene we also learned a lot about butcher specifically that he had a younger brother which now kind of makes sense as to how he views huey in a way um Whoever wants to talk about uh, this this little bit of info, because I think it's gonna it's it's kind of a, a, a big turning point between Butcher and Huey. Um, still a lot of info that we don't know about Lenny, uh, who's Butcher's younger younger brother. But uh, Justin, you want to you want to delve into that real quick, just real brief. You know what do we learn? Well, we learned that obviously Butcher has a soft spot for Huey, even though. He's said, you know, to the contrary numerous times. He obviously cares about him. And you're right. He does kind of view him as like his little brother. And we learned that he did have a little brother named Lenny. We don't know what happened to Lenny because as uh, Aunt Judy was telling Huey about Lenny, that's when Black Noir, uh, you know, stormed her house. And that's when the that whole uh, scene started. So we don't know much about um, that. But there, there definitely is a closeness between Butcher and Huey that – you know, it's becoming more present than maybe it was in the beginning of the season where they were kind of at odds. And now, you know, you can tell Huey, like Huey realizes that like he doesn't have a whole lot going on in his life and the, the boys and the group are, is pretty much all he has. And so he's kind of clinging to that. And, uh, and butchers, you know, seeing that he doesn't have a whole lot either, you know, like, and definitely Huey and MM and Frenchie and all these, these characters, these are his, this is his family, you know, so. They're the Spice yeah. Girls, you know, that's that's what it is. I uh, um, I, I also uh, want to add one thing to that. Um, I actually liked the, the very poetic allusion to a canary in a coal mine, which is usually a, a warning that, uh, you know, th- there's toxic levels in of the in the air in the coal mine which is usually like it's your early warning sign that you're in a dangerous situation that you're maybe about to in this case self-destruct so huey was that canary in a way like lenny was that was able to go you're going too far and pull them back from the brink which i really liked that uh, analogy that they used there Definitely. I mean, you know, we saw rough patches between Butcher and, and Huey, and I think we're going to see a better relationship between the two of them. George, I want to talk about our other boys uh, that didn't have a whole lot of screen time, but they're just equally important to us, and that's Frenchie and Kimiko. What's going on with them? So Frenchie is still kind of obsessed with Kimiko, like just trying to watch her and make sure she doesn't do anything stupid, which she obviously does right away by going and killing these like Russian mobsters. Uh, and then he tails her after that to, to see where she goes. And she goes to this church and she meets uh, 
I don't know what her name is. The the other girl. Cherie. 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 Okay. So Cherie. So she meets Cherie at a church, and uh, Frenchie walks into it, and he's very upset that she's basically doing hits for her and working for her by killing all these people. And she's like, "You're not a monster." Like he sees her as the the good person she is that that he knows that she is, and uh, he's just upset. And after that, he just he gives up. He's like, whatever, go be a monster, do whatever you want. And he basically just tells him to F off. And that's it. That's pretty much all that happened with them. It, it wasn't much, uh, not much going on this episode with them. Yeah, but Kimiko killing those Russian mobsters, whoa. Like, I mean, she literally ripped a dude's face off. Like, that was... Oh, oh my gosh. Brittany, before she did that, what were the uh, mobsters talking about? That was kind of a funny scene. I'm so so glad you brought that up, Justin. One of my favorite topics to talk about, which I want to talk about here on The Watchers, but you guys need to watch Hamilton. The Russian mobsters were talking about Hamilton, and one dude was having a problem with the fact that Puerto Rican was cast as Alexander Hamilton, but he was a white guy. No, it's a metaphor about, you know, immigrant experience in America, which is very, very true. The the people of color casting was done purposefully. You guys need to watch Hamilton. I know Justin and Nathan have watched it. George, don't don't shake your head at me. Don't shake your head at me. No, no, no. You need to watch it. Frank, you need to watch it too. We need to have a watcher tonight to watch Hamilton. Honestly, I think y'all would like it. I mean, I, I'm not a musical person by any stretch, but it's pretty entertaining. Like, the music's pretty good, and I, I like, I came away from that. I was so impressed because, like, it's two and a half hours solid of just songs that are telling a story. It's it's crazy creative what they did. Some of the songs are really good. I, I don't think, like, if you watch it, I don't think you're going to regret it. It might, it might not be your favorite thing. Like, you might not want to see Hamilton, too. But, like, I mean, it's it's solid. If Frank watches it, I will maybe watch it. That means George will be watching it. <laughs> I mean, y'all can just come over. We'll, like, you know, do some popcorn. We'll get some beverages. Broadway's are too long. I don't, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm, this, this is too long for me. The only Broadway I watched was Against My Will was Lion King. My sister dragged me to that. It was all right. It's just, it's just too long. I can't sit in a, I can't sit and watch them for three hours. You're, you're killing me. You're killing me. Okay. All right. We're going to move, we're going to move past the Hamilton talk. I'm going to make it happen one day. If not, maybe it'll be Justin and me and maybe Nathan, you know, talking about Hamilton. Fine. Whatever. Y'all suck. Um, (laughs) No, but with Kimiko, like, yeah, she's, she obviously feels really guilty about Kenji's death, her brother, and she does try to communicate that with Frenchie, and, and Frenchie gets very frustrated about that whole thing. So my question I'm going to pose to any one of you guys, is she going to reconcile with Frenchie and the boys? Is she going to, you know, kind of turn turn back, not be a monster? Do you think that's we're going to see that happen? Anyone? The answer is yes. She for <laughs> sure will. <laughs> Okay. Thank you, yeah. Justin, for answering yeah. that question. You know, also, we didn't talk about this, but uh, um, the fact that uh, while she's killing those guys in that that what is it? What is it? Uh, like a salon or something? Or where, where was where was the? I think it was a bar. The, yeah. It was a bar. Okay. Yeah. You notice she does like a hurricane rana wrestling move, which is like it's a Black Widow style move, 
but it's made famous by Lucha Libre uh, competitors. So um, I'm, nice. uh, I'm here all day. If you want to talk about professional wrestling, I, I know a lot about it. So I just wanted to drop that in there. Okay. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to talk about the Dawn of the seven, which is in the making starring our soups. Um, although, We've already talked about, of course, about Homelander and Stormfront, but we're going to talk about Queen Maeve, A-Train, uh, Starlight, we've already talked a little bit about, and The Deep. So, Nathan, Queen Maeve, they've incorporated her coming out in the movie, and it's just, it's awful. It's terrible. I I, I knew, like, as the scene was beginning to play out, obviously where this was going i i just i i I prayed it wasn't gonna be as bad and campy and insensitive as it would be but this is the boys i should have known better and it was incredibly insensitive uh yeah yeah, um i it also kind of led to a later scene where mave uh and i can't remember her name elena elena thank you uh, elena um mave's former uh or ex-girlfriend maybe girlfriend again um and vaught is trying to explain how they're going to you know once again reshape what uh mave looks like uh girls get it done or as, as homelander said getting it on i think he put it <laughs> i saw justin move into the mic Beat yeah. you to it. <laughs> he said girls get it on. I love that. Yeah. God. I mean, I'm not saying I love girls getting I mean, okay, I don't I, I don't not love it. I need but, you to stop. I need you to but stop. I, but I love that the homelander said that. It is classic, yeah. Oh man. Anyway, so Nathan, the marketing team is pitching a campaign. Or hashtag Brave Maeve, which includes Elena. Yes. And, of course, Elena wants nothing to do with this. She doesn't want anything to do with Vought. She storms off with the whole, you know, basically fucking hell or no way in hell. Um, and Maeve, you know, she's silent during all this, even when Elena – Means the same thing. Turns to her and, and it's like, uh, you know, uh, why aren't you – why aren't you – sticking up for me and, and us not doing this. Why are you going along with this? Well, well, Maeve, you know, follows after Elena after she says she's done with this. And she explains to her that once again, this is, this is Homelander messing with her and doing everything in his power to make her life a living well, hell. Okay. We'll just keep saying that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, Elena threatens to to go away, stay with her sister, and Maeve protests and says, no, I can't protect you if you're away from me because this is Homelander, and we're going to take that mf down. So my question to you guys, um, whoever wants to answer, is is this really something that Maeve should be concerned about? I mean, because at this present time, like, yes, Homelander ousted her on Maria Menounos' show, and he says he's very happy for Maeve and Elena, but is Maeve overreacting or do you think Homelander really is going to do something bad to Maeve and Elena? As uh, I just jump in real quick before anyone else, I just want to point out that last season 
But last season, I, I made a point that all the existing seven, even those that living seven that are, uh, are most of them at any rate, they were all into redemptive story arcs that were going to lead them eventually on a head-to-head -head confrontation with Homelander, which would inevitably put them on the side of the boys, whether they're on the side of the boys or not. Uh, and I think this is just playing to that. Uh, it's what we've expected, um, or at least I've expected from pretty much the get-go. Um, I, Frank, I, I cut you off. Uh, go ahead. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. No, that, those, those are all good points, uh, Nathan. Um, no, uh, to answer your question, Brian, I don't, I don't think he'll ever. I don't think he'll ever harm Maeve. I think he gets a. I think it's a rise out of making Maeve cringe and like uh, suffer. And yeah, I think, I think at the end of the day, he would have no problem killing Elena. I mean, because when Maeve tells Elena the story, the, the previous episode about somebody just talking to her, like he wasn't even really flirting. He was just creating conversation. And it might have been during a time when Homelander and Maeve were dating, but he got so he got so enthralled with rage. He 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 pretty much had his torso in one room and his head in another room. You know, so I think ever since then, that's when Maeve really saw how off the hinge he is and like yeah and and, and it makes all it makes all the sense in the world now why he broke up why she broke up with her because she really cares about her and she wants her to you know be alive stay alive and like homelander he gets to a point where he's so unpredictable and he makes the perfect villain because you 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 can't you can't dictate what he's gonna do next he's so off the cuff and i think with Maeve, she wants to alleviate all of that by just you know what i'd rather break your heart than see you dead makes a lot of sense. Um, George, the last thing about Maeve that I want to talk about is she she tells Elena that she wants to take Homelander down, right? So Maeve goes out of her way to visit the Deep, who's passing out uh, food for the soul books, if you will, uh, from the Church of the Collective. And she meets up with the Deep to basically vouch for him that he really isn't a piece of shit and he you know he, you need a woman to to basically say this but in turn she he needs to help her so what do you think is going to come out of that whole situation i don't know how he's going to help her like what, what's he going to do call some whales to stop homelander like i, I don't see like where he's like what's going to help like maybe by using the church's resources or something like that that's the only thing i could see but him personally doing something, I don't see what he's going to do to stop Homelander. Because I think it's just, he's a joke. Clearly divine intervention with the church. Uh, we're just going to have to wait and see, I suppose. Um, so let's talk about A-Train. We learned in the previous episode that Homelander basically kicked out A-Train. That has been written into the movie The Dawn of the Seven. And A-Train's not having it. He's like, nope. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say these lines. We're not going to do this farewell. You know, here's my rewrite for the scene. And it gets ultimately rejected by the director. And director says, hey, go talk to Ashley. So the ultimatum that Ashley gives A-Train, and I'm going to I'm gonna pick on Frank, um, about, you know, you either do this scene or I'm going to do this. Um, talk about that. Yeah, so um, so pretty much Vought already, and she's probably Homeland's decision, but Vought pretty much made the, the, came up with the decision that A-Train is done. Like, he, he's, he's, he is 
he is a risk. Um, he he's not clean. He's he's mentally messed up and all of that. So they they decided to write him out, write him out of a script. So uh, they write a script. I can't I can't remember the producer's name of the movie, but he writes a script uh, for a, 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 a perfect ending for for A Train. And uh, A Train looks at it, and he A Train completely rewrites the whole script. Like he's like, I'm not cool with this. This is why I think this should this is where I, this this ending should be like this. And he rewrites the whole script of how he goes out. And basically, um, what's the PR's person name again? Ashley. Ashley. So Ashley and the producer basically tell him like, look, either you do it like this, or we just only we just pretty much destroy your your, your credibility and tell and tell the world that you know you you you're hooked on compound V and 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 you uh, I, I believe they brought the murder right of, of Popclaw or am I thinking about a different scene? Okay, well they 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 bring up the put the compound V, and to the point where you know he still wants to have he still want he still wants to have a life after the seven, and I, I think. The previous episode or two episodes before that talks about kind of dives in a little bit to his upbringing and how when Starlight, right before Starlight uh, um, uh, leaks out the, the Compound V news, he basically tells her, like, you're messing up my life. You're messing up. Like, I, I came a long way and this, I mean, we're making good money. You're, you're effing it up for us. So it kind of it kind of gives you an inside look of how his upbringing, how you know, this, the whole superhero business changes life for the, you know, for the better financially. So, um, so, so with that blackmail, uh, um, that, that they gave him, he, he pretty much does the script the way, the way it was originally written. Yeah. It was a farewell scene that had a lot of running type, you know, nuances to it, if you will. And, and they move on basically like a train, you know, okay, you did your scene. All right, we're going to move on. And so, I mean, this reinforces my question of, is he going to go out quietly? Um, I don't think so. I think, and like Nathan said, I, I they're, they're really shifting the storyline to where it's going to be everybody against Homelander. Um, so, and, 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 and everybody has an ax to grind with Homelander, whether it's Maeve with, with with out, Homeland out, outing her about her sexuality, and and her not being able to fully move on romantically with somebody, or it's you know A Train getting kicked out of the group, or Deep getting getting replaced and trying to come back, um, or even Edgar, you know the power struggle between Edgar and Homelander, who who's truly running the seven. So it's everybody has an axe to grind, and I think A Train, you know, to what Nathan said, I think. Um, whether it's on purpose or not, they're all going to work together with the boys to bring down Homelander. And with Homelander, I think you can bring down Bot as well. All right. So that pretty much sums up uh, this past episode. There's some other quick little trivia and Easter egg things um, I know Justin loves to talk about because it's just fun to to see these things. So, Justin, I'm going to turn it over to you. And if you guys have any other Easter eggs that you all notice, please jump in, share it with the rest of us. Hey, thanks, Brittany. So I'm going to start off with, did y'all notice at the beginning, whenever they're, they're talking about the, they're on the set for the movie Dawn of the Seven, which obviously is a, you know, it's, we've talked before, it's kind of like uh, Batman versus Superman. It's that kind of deal. There's a part where Maeve is talking to Homelander. Homelander goes, he's talking about the movie. He goes, yeah, he's like, uh, this, uh, this Joss rewrite really sings. That's a play on Justice League, how Josh Whedon was, was brought into, you know, you know, be the director or whatever. So I love that part of it. 
Um, I know, Brittany, you noticed this, but uh, so even though Vought is, is, you know, the seven are kind of a, like a, a knockoff of the DC characters, they're, uh, the Vought Studios logo is very similar to the Marvel Studios logo. It's kind of cool. You see the, the Vought Studios logo at one point. It's, it's very similar. And, of course, they call themselves the VCU, their, their movie series, which obviously the MCU. Um, I don't know. That stuff is uh, – it just – I don't know. It makes me happy. It's like little, like, fun things that I I just enjoy seeing. Um, you know, this was a big episode for cameos. Oh, yeah. In this movie in, – in, I mean, in this episode, you had, you had Greg uh, Grunberg, who you may not know the name, but he's been in a ton of movies. In fact, the last movie he was in that I saw was uh, – <laughs> Star Wars: Rise of the Skywalker. Um, he was in the show Heroes. I don't know if y'all, if y'all remember that mm-hmm. show. I never really watched it, but he was in that show. Good basically, show. yeah, yeah. Basically, he's in everything that J.J. Abrams produces or directs because he's like best friends, like childhood friends with J.J. Abrams. So, if you see him in a movie, there's a very good chance it's the J.J. Abrams movie. Um, but other cameos include we had uh, Nancy O'Dell. She. Uh, reprised her role as a, as an entertainment tonight slash access Hollywood slash extra host. You had Katie Kirk interviewing of the deep, you know, obviously playing herself, which that's a pretty big get to get somebody like Katie Kirk to be on the show. Um, you had this, this isn't a cameo, but uh, if you notice at the end of the video that the deep is shooting his commercial for the, uh, the church of the collective, the, the chairman of the church, his name is Alistair, Adair, I believe, is the name of the character. Sure. sure, we'll go with that. So anyway, the actor who plays that character, he was on ER for a long time. His name, uh, the actor's name is Goran Vicinovich. He's a Serbian, so pardon me if I can't pronounce the name. If you're a basketball player and shoot three-pointers, I could, I could probably know it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> he, was a big, he was a big star in ER. Like after George Clooney left, he kind of became like the the – main male lead on the show and i i mean i, I watched the ER the first i don't know 12 or 13 seasons and he was like a really big part of the show so it's kind of cool to see him because i haven't seen him in a long time i kind of forgot about that guy so it's cool to see him back in, on tv um the part in the movie where they're filming and the director he reads uh he's like now the cg mutants enter and it's these it's these dudes wearing like green man costumes like they're wearing a green screen friendly outfits and they're carrying like sticks and stuff. I don't know. That was just really funny because, you know, we, we see these movies and these movies make billions of dollars, but we don't see like the behind the scenes of how these movies are made and how, you know, Thanos is a person on a, with a stick or something. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a tennis ball and a stick and they're talking to these, these inanimate objects. And later on they become these like CG monsters that, you know, that we all love and hate. Um, a couple other I, funny things. Go ahead. One thing I do want to jump in and talk about uh, while we're talking about, you know, kind of CG related things, not a CG actor, but an animal actor. And and we all love animals, of course. Uh, the, the dog actor who plays Terror was cast because, because <laughs> that's crazy as a sound, because of his ability to be, to a, to be able to hump on command. However, during filming, <laughs> They couldn't get the dog to obey the command, and the filmmakers were not able to get a shot of uh, Terror and his pig girlfriend, nor uh, a shot of him humping the toy plush 
Homelander. So I thought that was really funny. I still think that dog is ugly AF because I just don't care for bulldogs. I think, George, you like bulldogs in general, right? They're cute as puppies. Yeah, they're cute as puppies. I, I do agree with that statement. But uh, I just thought that was a really fun uh, aspect of, of casting this this dog because apparently Terror in the comics like plows the hell out of some neighbor's poodle. But um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. One other thing, when The Deep is shooting his commercial for the Church of the Collective, there is actually a website for churchofthecollective.com. It's a real website. It's a real website. It leads to Sony Pictures and it leads to their uh, webpage for the boys. So don't worry, guys, you're not going to be converted to anything that you don't want to be converted into other than maybe the boys. But that I thought was kind of cool. We um, call that, that transmedia they... marketing. There you go. There you go. So, all right, guys, what are our predictions for next episode? I'm going to put y'all on the spot and I'm going to start with Nathan. Well, I haven't honestly spent a lot of time thinking about it other than I really, really, really want to see a nice full length three minute if we could have it trailer for dawn of the seven that's <laughs> what i want to see most i want to see the trailer yes. for dawn of the seven at least the teaser right the teaser the 15 second sizzle reel or something something i mean we we had all that last episode kind of building up of of them uh uh shooting it i i feel like it'd be criminal like we saw them doing shoots for commercials and then we saw the actual commercial later right so if i if i don't get a trailer at least a like 13 second or 50, a 30 second trailer or something for the movie i'm gonna be kind of disappointed i'm not gonna lie <laughs> you know we even got to see homelander's body double what y'all think about that oh that, was, that, that was a cut man because like he delivered all those lines right a train does um and i was like man that was that was really like heartfelt he like i know it's a line for a movie he doesn't want to say but you could you could hear the resolve in his voice there of just like i have to do this i you know i'm, I'm out of choice and you know the underlying emotion there it was really powerful and as i'm watching i was like i i bet you that's not fucking homelander which is, and, and it, I was right. I was like, oh, because I know it's not uncommon to have a stand in on shots like this. And I was like, that's kind of cruel, like very cruel. Like the, the ultimate, the last stab or jab there. I don't know. What do you guys think? Same, same idea. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, A-Train actually said it wouldn't be a good idea for A-Train to talk to Homelander. So why would they put him in a scene with Homelander? I mean, that just... That just makes sense. But um... no, but I think what Nathan was saying is it shows you that like a train's not important enough for Homelander right. to be there in person, you know, like well, he has right, to stand but, in a body double. like Right. But that's what I was basically trying to say is that Ashley said it wouldn't be a good idea for a train to talk to Homelander. So again, why would he be in the scene with a train, you know, because well, a train would just get to him and talk because, to him. Because the characters in the movie are in the same scene together. That's why. Whatever. Okay, George, what do you think will happen in this upcoming episode? Uh, I think we're going to learn more about Stormfront and whatever her plan is and maybe get introduced to Lamplighter. And uh, I think they're going to explore that Sage Grove or whatever the hell that place is called. I think that's what they're going to end up doing. All right. Frank, what about you? 
or what would you like to see happen in general? I, uh, I think, I think A-Train joins the boys. I think A-Train hits rock bottom to the point where, I mean, he was already pretty much rock bottom. He was just hanging by a thread. I mean, he, he was still feeling it. He was still having heart issues and he was not on his game. And I think, I think he hits rock bottom to a point where he's so, he's so, he feels so betrayed that he, he wants payback. And I think, I think Starlight and A Train, I think Starlight brings A Train back into the fold to fight for the boys on, on, on the boys' side. Now, I think with that, if that happens, I think Huey does something stupid. Cause I think Huey is still kind of salty from his girlfriend being murdered by A Train. Rip, but I think at the end of the day, I think A Train is, is going to be fighting alongside Starlight and the female uh, against against the rest of the seven. That would make for a very oh, interesting seven? dynamic. You know, there's like six people left or five people left. Are they still the seven? Well, the Shockwave's going to be getting back in. They got Storm from every place. So, what are they, the six right now? Yeah, because Shockwave, Shockwave came in for an interview, right? Yeah, or, but I assume, I, at this point, I'm assuming Shockwave will be in forthcoming episodes he's there for Vought for tots what are you guys talking about there's fat kids out there that Vought is trying to you know put into shape goodness <laughs> but yeah that's my that's my prediction all right justin my prediction pain Ooh. lots of pain no i think uh stormfront i, I agree with what george said i i think the stormfront we're gonna learn more about her her plan. I mean, there's only three episodes left this season. So, and with how quickly the show moves, I think we'll definitely see her army being put together or, you know, we'll learn more about her movement or whatever you want to call it. So for me, what I like to see happen is the truth coming out about her identity. Now that she's been very, very intimate with Homelander and he's like at wit's end with everyone lying to him. Um, I do want to see what would transpire when the truth comes out about Stormfront being Liberty. She's obviously been around for a long time. I don't even know if Homelander is aware about Lamplighter and how he's aligned with Stormfront. So I'm very curious to see how that storyline could play out. But that's just me. Feel that? I feel that. All right, Justin, it's all Sounds you. Good. It's all me now. It's all me. Hey, one more uh, thing I wanted to point out: the uh, the actress who plays Aunt Judy in this episode, her name is Barbara Gordon, which kind of struck <laughs> me because, <laughs> and, and obviously Frank and Nathan know Barbara Gordon is famously Batgirl in uh in DC Comics. Yeah. So, anyway, is that is that why she's got that yellow uh? Corvette at the very end, because that Laffy Taffy business for her, damn. Or or maybe that's a canary thing, because canaries are typically yellow, right? Or, I mean, Laffy Taffy is yeah, yeah. usually yellow. The I don't banana know. banana flavor is. The banana flavor, you go. Yeah. Shake that Laffy Taffy. That and sometimes, taffy. sometimes when I answer the phone, I say yellow instead of hello. So <laughs> I like to go with the old uh, YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. Mega, mega. Mega Mind? No, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Olo, not Yolo. Olo. 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 It's been a little while since I've talked on a phone, actually. Oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah. We're doing on Zoom, though. Zoom's yeah. Yeah. Out, and we don't, right? I don't know. I don't Olo on a Zoom chat because 
Zoom. It, that's just not where it happens. Yeah. So, did you guys know in the comic books that Madeline Stillwell is James Still as a guy in the comic books? I did not know that. Yeah, it's James Stillwell in the comic books, and he's way more villainous and evil. And but they for the for the show they change it to a female as Madeline. Homelander oh, have a thing for him. Huh? <laughs> That's what I was wondering. <laughs> I have a thing for him. But Homelander have a thing for him? I don't. I don't know. I I, I want to once. Once the season wraps, so I, I think I want to start reading the comic books, so I can, so I can see differences. Well, I, mean, I think I think Justin, you've mentioned this before that a lot of the characters in in the comics are all males, with the exception of some females. So I feel like turning that into a show would just be a huge sausage fest. Which you know, if you're right. into that, cool. But you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about diversity, maybe, maybe, but yeah, uh, just. <laughs> Justin, was that you last season? Um, that's that that unveiled that A Train was was white in the comic books. Yeah, so A Train was a white guy in the comic books, and then the Deep was a black guy in the comic books. Okay, but the Deep and the Deep is like a he's like a I think they said he was like a seven foot tall black guy in the comics, and he wore like a aquatic helmet, whatever that, a fishbowl. Yeah, an aquatic helmet where you never see his face. Mm. So. And then also in the comics, like Black Noir was like the the clone of Homelander, and he could also fly. So they're definitely not sticking with the comics. They're they're you know they're taking the source material, taking the good stuff, changing it where they see fit. I think it's. I mean, I haven't read the comics obviously, but I think it's working pretty well with what the changes they've made. Mm. Because if all the characters were male, it just it wouldn't work as well. I mean, Elizabeth Shue was a huge get for that show, and. You know, some of the other characters, like Stormfront, if Stormfront was a guy this season, it wouldn't be as good. I mean, definitely that last scene would not have been something I would want to watch. So. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, is, is Stormfront a guy in the comic books? Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a man yeah. in the comic books, yeah. He's a oh. yeah. Nazi Germany uh, creation, I think. So. Oh. And, you know, yeah. It looks mildly reminiscent of Shazam, actually. <laughs> yeah. Or Captain Marvel, right? I mean, yeah, the original yeah. Captain Marvel. Yeah. Well, we can, do, we can go down a rabbit hole with that. Well, so so the sexual relationship between Stillwell and Homelander is in the comic books, too. So I think... Oh. Yeah, he's bisexual in the comic books. Oh. So maybe Homelander, if you know what I'm saying. Stop oh. it. Oh. Stop it. Sorry. It was too easy. It was right there. That was rude. It was like... So, it's like you put it on a tee. It's like Justin Swing. Just Swing. And we're talking about swinging a baseball bat. We're talking about swinging a baseball bat too, not any other kind of swinging. Okay, let me be very clear with that. I just talk about swinging a baseball bat. Here it goes. All right, Justin. I think you need to wrap this up. You're done. It's absolutely pouring in my part of town. You are cut off. Okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) thanks again for watching, listening to our podcast, and once again, Brittany, how can they find us on social media if they want to do that? Oh, sure. So uh, you can simply follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Watchers in the Basement. George, where can they find us to subscribe to our podcast? So please, guys, take a quick second. Go subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and please leave us a five-star rating like right now. Go pause the video and go give us a five-star rating right now, and then you come back and finish this. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. It will help us out a lot. Also, everybody, whenever you're tagging our posts, make sure you tag it with hashtag WatchersBasement. That way, uh, 
we can keep track of that as well. Yep. That's it. We appreciate that. Um, so I think we're going to wrap up the show now. So for George, Frank, Nathan, and Brittany, this is Justin signing off. We'll see you next week.